you'll understand last week is that uh, revival uh, begins with, with judgment. You know, today, this morning, we uh, participated in communion. And one of the things that we are to do is to, is to judge our own sins, to make sure that uh, we come before the Lord and confess those things to Him and ask Him for forgiveness. Uh, you know, First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it's really important for us to be able to recognize uh, what is of God and what isn't of God, what is opposed to him as opposed to what is lined up with his will and his desire for us. And, uh, and so we, we learned that last week, just the, the difference between the two and how important it is for us to judge our own sin so that really a, a revival begins in us. Um, well, this morning, what, what God can do with the heart that is completely devoted to him is, is what we'll see. We'll see that in the lives of the apostles. Uh, we continue to see how it is that God works through the apostle Peter and John and the rest of the disciples. But what we're running into is, is not a situation that by any means, by the world's standards, is favorable. It, it is not favorable. It's something that we would look to as perhaps a setback, a situation that is really negative, and, um, and yes, it's very uncomfortable, and yet the Lord used that to further the gospel and do a mighty work. And so with that, the title of this morning's message is Living to Preach the Good News. And I'm going to start out by not going through the whole chapter. I'm not going to go through any of the verses, but the last one in this chapter, chapter 5, verse 42 of the book of Acts, says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is is Jesus. Heavenly Father, we want to commit this time into your hands. I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding and, uh, and help us, Lord, to, in our own lives, uh, to live to preach the good news, to tell others the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are saved by, by grace. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, Lord. Help us to understand the scriptures so that we may be able to explain to someone else what the good news is. That we may be able to field questions or, very succinctly, give the gospel in just a couple breaths. Lord, you give us understanding this morning. I pray, Father, that you would encourage us, your church that we may be bold, that we may be confident, and yet humble before you. Uh, Lord, to be faithful to you and, uh, and share what we have come to know ourselves, salvation in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to take a look at verses 17 through 42. Uh, it, it, within these verses, what we're going to look at is, is another arrest of the apostles. We're going to see uh, them being threatened. Um, as also we're going to see them uh, just before they're released, they're, they're beaten and, uh, and they're commanded again. They're ordered not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the good news is really all they're guilty of. They're guilty of the good news of Jesus Christ, spreading the gospel 
uh, his life, death, burial, and resurrection, and the forgiveness of sins through faith in him to those who repent and believe. And so it is the same message that we give today. It's no different than what we're going to hear Peter uh, confess and declare to the religious leaders that he's going to be brought before to testify of. Now, we understand also that this was not the first time that they were arrested. Back in Acts 4, 1 through 31, we saw how the Sadducees had, great, had been greatly annoyed by their teaching and preaching. This is, by the way, what we're going through also, if you really think about it, you know, this is, a, this is Jesus whom they're proclaiming, they're declaring, they're, they, they're testifying of the very thing that they've come to witness. And yet here we have these religious leaders who are described as being deeply annoyed. They're, they're, just, they're just bothered. They're just bothered. They, they don't want them to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. In fact, in this chapter, we're going to see how it is that they don't even want to say his name. Don't, don't speak, don't teach, don't preach in that name. And they don't even want to say his name. But there are, there's, there are things here that also we'll see are quite ironic as the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, nor did they believe in angels. And yet we're going to see the resurrection preached and we're going to see the work of angels being done uh, by the freeing of the apostles. But they were greatly annoyed in chapter 4, verses 1 through 31. Uh, as it says there in verse 2, teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Uh, and this was after Peter and John, uh, with John, uh, had preached the gospel to a people who had gathered at Solomon's portico, at Solomon's porch at the temple. Uh, you remember the, the healing of a lame beggar. And that's what caused the multitudes to come together, thousands came together. And we know that the second time that Peter preached, 5,000 came to faith. And at that time, when they were ordered not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, they responded by saying, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. This is in chapter four, verses 18 through 20. Now, after they had been released, we learned that they went and told everything. They gave, they gave the account to all the disciples. They told them everything that had taken place, everything that they had experienced. And then they prayed. They prayed for strength to continue speaking the word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ with all boldness. And that prayer was answered as he continued. But again, we're going to see how it is that, that they... They went into a certain situation that, that wasn't favorable. At least not by our account. You know, who would like to be in prison for Jesus? No takers? <laughs> well, they were. And we're going to see how it is that they rejoiced. I started out by reading the last verse in the chapter we're going over. And also referred to the very recent and previous uh, time that the apostles had gotten in trouble with the world regarding the preaching of the gospel. Because one of the most important characteristics that should be evident in the life of every single Christian is, is this, perseverance in the faith. It's this tenacity that no matter what comes your way, no matter what circumstances surround you, no matter what. I mean, you put it, you put it there, you, you name it, it should not be the thing that 
makes you draw back from living a life that glorifies the Lord and telling as many people as you can the good news of Jesus Christ. Perseverance. Ephesians 2.10 gives us our purpose. If you, if you want to know the purpose of your life, we see it here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so if you keep that verse before you, you know your purpose. And in order to know how it is that we ought to walk or live our lives in good works, you read the word of God so that you may walk accurately according to the word of God. That you may know what it is that is pleasing to him. What it is that is considered by the Lord deemed righteous in his eyes. So, of course, we should know God's word, that it may serve us as his wisdom in everyday living. According to James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, ask for it without doubting, and he will give to you without holding back. But there's more for the Christian than just living a moral and upright life before God. There's also the great commission to do the work of an evangelist, to speak the gospel to all. Sometimes we, we think that, well, I'm just living my life and minding my own business. Is that not good enough? Well... Read for yourself. Please, some, sometimes we, we develop our own opinions and, and we, we put them out as gospel when we're really quite ignorant of the gospel in its entirety. Because the word also tells us to do the work of an evangelist. We may not be specifically gifted as an evangelist, but we as Christians, every single one of us, are to do the work of an evangelist. One who would bring, who would be willing and able to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. And think about it. If someone were to ask you, for the reason, for the hope that lies within you, do you have enough understanding that you would be able to explain to someone else why it is that you have that hope? And I would challenge you, if, if you're uncertain about that, then read through the scriptures. Come and talk to me. I'd be more than happy to equip you further for that. In fact, we're going to hear how it is that Peter and John and the apostles were challenged this morning and what we're going to cover and how it is that he very briefly, very succinctly gave the gospel in just a couple sentences. That was it. Now, 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded, sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Matthew twenty eight nineteen says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And in Romans ten fourteen says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? This morning, I pray that you are encouraged by the perseverance of the, the apostles that we see before us and are challenged in your own faith, asking yourself also, what holds you back from telling others the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And how is it that you can be strengthened by God to speak the gospel to anyone at any time as you get the opportunity? And so those are some things that ask and be encouraged by as we study these scriptures. So verse um, 17. 
set free to teach. Verse 17 says this, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees and filled with jealousy. uh, They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. The first time when Peter and John were arrested, we know that they were arrested because the religious establishment of the time was greatly annoyed with what they were teaching and preaching. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that's what they were preaching. The Pharisees, again, I I remind you that they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so for them to teach that was totally against their doctrine. They were also annoyed... You know, if they were doing that and no one gathered around them, they probably wouldn't think anything of it. But remember, thousands of people were gathering, gathering around these people. who were gathering around the, the apostles, and they were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We know that, that right now, more than 8,000 people have come to faith in Jesus Christ, and so they wanted to put a stop to them. And now we see the Sadducees described as being filled with jealousy. And so, of course, they wanted them arrested. They had the power to do that. They had the authority to do that. And so they had them arrested a second time and put in prison. They were afraid of losing the popular vote among the people. And therefore, what would go along with that popular vote is the power and authority they had over them. And so the only way they determined they could stop them is by getting them out of the way, getting them out of the eyes of the public and putting them into prison. And they did just that. They had them arrested and put into prison. But, of course, the Lord had other plans. And he sent an angel whom they didn't believe in to break them out of prison the first night they were locked up. To me, this is, it's just one of those things to where it's just, it's just funny. The Lord does things like that. Just because we don't believe it doesn't mean it's true. If it's in the word, it's true. And so something like this for the Sadducees, um, it's like divine humor, isn't it? Walls, doors, locks, guards. Well, all of this was no match for the creator of the universe. At his word, the earth and heavens and all that we know was created. It was God who raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, the release of the apostles from prison is not a problem for the Lord. Locks, guards, doors, it doesn't matter. Any of that is really nothing to the Lord. 
But we need to notice the purpose of releasing the apostles is not for a personal comfort or for their safety even. It wasn't for any of that. It was so that they would go and preach the gospel in the temple to speak to the people the words of this life. That's what they were sent to do. I'm bringing you out of this captivity. You, the apostles, the sent ones by the Lord, the ones who had been prepared by the Lord to go and give the gospel to everyone. I'm taking you out of here to go preach the gospel. Sometimes we think that we're delivered from things, our difficult circumstances, uh, some bondage that we're in, for our own safety or our own comfort. We forget that the very one who delivered us from whatever it is that we were bound up in was really delivering us for the purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission, of telling others the good news, of being like the lame beggar who, who just leapt or leaped and was rejoicing in the fact that this had been done in the name of Jesus Christ by his power. We, we forget about that sometimes. And, and sometimes we believe that we're entitled, that somehow the world today revolves around raw. It does, and, and we start to believe that. And so we need to put things like kind of just get things reset, put things in perspective, understand that it's all about the glory of God, that when he blesses us, when he gives us that comfort, when he gives us that safety, when he delivers us from these circumstances that we find ourselves in, that whether we're in the midst or outside of it, that we are living lives to glorify the Lord in how we respond, in what we say, and what we do. That's why they were delivered. And notice how life, you you are to go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this, this life in verse 20. It's capitalized. It's a life that is found in Jesus Christ, the Logos. That it, may be known to all the fullness of life, that they may come to know. I, you know, before I, I used to, before Christ, before coming to the Lord and, and knowing salvation through him, I remember thinking that living a full life was experiencing everything that life had to offer. Um, Solomon tried it. Solomon tried it. And he didn't find fulfillment in it. He said, for man, this is man's all, that we would fear God and obey his commandments. It's interesting that a man that tried everything under the sun didn't find fulfillment in anything under the sun. Well, you, you, want, you want to get a thrill, jump off a cliff and have those wings and fly like a bird. And then let that parachute go. Yeah, your adrenaline will be pumping. But once you're done with that moment, it's over. That is it. You experience exhilaration for a moment, and that won't be enough, by the way. You're going to have to do more, something more thrilling to get that rush again. So many other things that we can do that we think are fulfilling. Oh, this is, this is living. I'm going to travel all over the place. I'm going to do this and that, and I'm going to check off my bucket list. 
And all of that's going to really bring me great happiness. Oh, it's fleeting. It's for a moment. But really true happiness is found in Jesus Christ, in nothing and no one else. I, I, I'm done. Personally, I'm, I'm done. I can go home right now. Because I have also tried so many other things. You want to try fulfillment in drugs and alcohol? I've tried that. In being a thrill seeker and doing certain things, I've tried that too. And I can tell you that nothing, nothing fulfills and satisfied, satisfies like Jesus Christ. Nothing. For me, I, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I pray that the Lord would help me to be faithful to him and to simply tell you and you and you and you to follow Jesus Christ, to surrender your lives to him and know the fullness of life in him. That's it. Because quite honestly, I'm ready to go home. Because Jesus said this. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In Christ. John fourteen six says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. One only begins to live after having come to salvation in Jesus Christ and can say as Paul did, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21 So the apostles were commanded to go tell the people about Jesus Christ who came to die and lives to give life to all who come to believe in him. What good news. Bust out of prison. To go tell everyone about this. And it's wonderful because first thing in the morning they they acted on obedience to, to the Lord. And first thing in the morning, they didn't know what what was what was waiting for them that day. They didn't run. They didn't go anywhere. They, they didn't go anywhere else. They, they stayed there in Jerusalem. And they, they went to the temple and they did just as they were told to do. But back in the prison, things were a bit different. Things were unraveling for everyone back there. Uh, Because once the religious leaders were gathered to question and try the apostles, they they sent for them. Oh, the prison guards didn't find them there. They were nowhere to be found. The guards didn't find the apostles in the prison. They came back and reported this to the religious leaders, to the chief of police, everyone that was there. They, They told them everything that had happened. Everything was locked up. The guards were in place, but when we opened up their cell, it was empty. They, they, they weren't there. And they, it's described here as they were perplexed. They were amazed. They were, they were wondering, how, how is this possible? In other words, they were tripping out, right? They were baffled. They were puzzled. And just at that time, someone came to them and told them, just as they were thinking about all this, someone came and told them that, you know the men that you put in prison? Yeah, they're, they're back at the temple and they're, they're teaching and preaching. It's just interesting. It's amazing. Here we see an angel releasing the apostles and the apostles going and teaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
The Lord had his apostles set free, but this won't always be the case. And, and this is one thing that we need to be careful with, because sometimes we, we look at a situation like this and we say, oh, okay, so, so that's, a, the, that's what the Lord desires for everyone. That's not the case for everyone. Sometimes, as the apostle Paul did, he, he asked the Lord uh, to remove the thorn from his side. You remember that? You remember that story? And the Lord said, did he say maybe? No, he didn't say maybe. He Did he say okay? No, he didn't say okay. He didn't say yes. The answer was no. My grace is sufficient, is what the Lord told the Apostle Paul. What if the Lord said no to you? Would you still use that as an opportunity to tell others just how good God is when you yourself, it's amazing how it is that when we're delivered, when things happen in a favorable way, you know, then we say, what do we say? Amen. God is, isn't he good anyway? Because what we're implying is that if he doesn't do this for us, then he's not good. We got to be careful because God is good all the time. We don't deserve anything more than condemnation. And yet he's given us everything in Jesus Christ. That's why I I say, you know, his grace is is, is sufficient. It's truly sufficient. And whatever more more he gives, oh, that's, that's above and beyond. That's above and beyond. Well, we need to be careful because we know that the, all of the apostles, except for one, died a martyr's death, didn't they? Every single one of them, not one. In fact, John, poor man, I mean, they, they attempted to kill him by boil, boiling him in oil. And he, and he didn't die. Have you ever, like, well, have you ever been cooking? And just, just a little splash comes up because... Perhaps a little bit of water went into the pan with the oil and it, and it sparked up and, and landed on you. You thought you were going to die. <laughs> Can you imagine having like, okay, we're going to dip you in this oil. And come out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amazing. You went into the furnace and nothing. You came out. You had a little tan on you, but... That was it. Imagine that. The Lord tried to do that. The, I mean, they, they tried to do that with, with John. And, but all of them died these horrible martyrs' death. But you know what? To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, to live as Christ, to die as gain. You know, the apostles and the disciples of the, of the early church were unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. And so when we are delivered from certain troubles, it is for the purposes that God has set forth before us to accomplish. And even in the midst of them, he's doing a work. Be careful that we don't begin to believe that it is for our comfort or safety, but for his glory and his purposes, because the apostles were set free to teach and to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Keep that in mind. If you're always looking for opportunities to share the gospel with others, you will be ready for the moments when God sets you free from these barriers that people set up 
Sometimes, you know, I know you must know people who are just have the hand up. They have barriers around them. They, they haven't been willing to listen to you as far as the good news of Jesus Christ. But be ready. Be ready for that moment when, when God breaks down that barrier. But just for a moment and gives you an opportunity to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Because at that very moment, you, you will be set free to teach as he has delivered them and perhaps given them a moment to hear what he would have them to hear. Because he desires that all would come to repentance and that none should perish. So be ready for those moments. So set free to teach, question to testify. Verse 27 says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as a leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, if anything, I, I think I said this a, a few weeks ago in regards to intimidation. If we were to be brought before the Supreme Court, it, it would it just the chambers alone, and then um, the presence of the Supreme Court would be kind of intimidating, wouldn't it be? That very moment, I mean, I could bring you up here right now and tell you, just ask you, please finish out this, this message for me. And that would be intimidating enough, right? I'm not going to ask anyone to do it. Wouldn't it be, though? It would be. By God's grace, you could do it, though. You really could. This was this, was this, 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 this situation where it was intimidating for the apostles. They brought him before the Sanhedrin, and they wanted, and they were questioning them. They were accusing them, and they wanted to exercise authority over them. And these were the charges they were they were actually guilty of. Number one, they viol- they violated the order to not teach in the name of Jesus. Remember, back in chapter four, they had commanded them not to do so. Well, they did it. So, guilty. Yep. Um, you're guilty that Jerusalem knows of Jesus. Everyone here. Yeah, yeah, check. That one, guilty of also. Guilty as charged. Well, you're also, this is what they were charged with. They were also charged with, uh, because they, their motives, they, they intended to hold the religious leaders responsible for Jesus' death. Well, this is what Peter had told them previously. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So Peter and John had already told them, we can't, you know, you judge whether we're obedient to you or not. As for us, we can only testify of what we've come to know. That's all we can do. And so all these charges were accurate, and because of their and because of their obedience to God, all of Jerusalem now knew about Jesus Christ, and they were learning how this is this was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy of what had been spoken of by the prophets by the law. 
throughout the Psalms about the Messiah who was to be crucified, die and resurrect after three days and had ascended. And today at that very moment and today sits at the right hand of the father. Now, as far as them being accused of intending to hold the religious leaders responsible, responsible for the death of Jesus, in a way they were correct, but not how they were thinking. Not for condemnation, but for confession, sanctification, and justification by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when someone asks, you know, are you guilty of sin? And you say, no, I'm, I'm a, really a, a moral and upright man. I... You're already laughing. Why are you laughing? Who's laughing? <laughs> now, go ask the world. And will they not say that? They will. You know... If you ask, do you believe you're, you're going to go to heaven or to hell? They'll say, well, I believe that I'm going to heaven. Why do you believe that you're going to go to heaven? Because, you know, I'm not a murderer. I, I, don't, I don't steal things. And, um, you know, and they'll, they'll give reasons like that. I'm, I'm better than other people. As if, you know, it's, it's graded on a curve. Right? And so the bar is set very low. In fact, it's so low that if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. If you've broken one law, what does that make you? A sinner. You're a lawbreaker, right? It, it doesn't matter like what it is. You've already broken the law. God's word says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's, there's none righteous, no, not one. Not one person who has kept the law perfectly. And so, therefore, we need a Savior. And we need to confess. Basically, we just need to come to the point. And it's simple. This is the thing. It's simple. It's just a confession. Confession is just agreement with the Lord that He's right and we're wrong. And we say, we agree with you. I've broken the law. I've somehow lied. I, I've, I've, I've done all kinds of things. If we go through the Ten Commandments, we're all guilty. And then with that confession, you ask for forgiveness. And, and we're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in the very one who went to the cross to die for our sins in our place. He atoned for our sins, paid with his lifeblood. And he justifies us by faith in him. In other words, our sins were crucified to that cross with him and paid for in full as if we ourselves were up there and yet we weren't. He was. He's the only one because he's blameless that could pay for them in full and he did. All we have to do is, is come to belief in Jesus Christ and ask him to be our savior. And he tells us at the moment that we are born again, we're given, we're given a new heart, new desire, a new way of thinking. Eyes to see, a heart to understand. All they had to do was confess and acknowledge that it was for the sins of all that the Father sent the Son to die on the cross. To pay the price of sin that we could never pay. Romans 10, 9 and 13 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... You will be saved for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Once confronted, Peter once again spoke with boldness, starting out by telling them again, we, I, 
It's like telling them, I, I told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again, we must obey God rather than men. He told them again. This was a simple statement of faith and obedience to God that was unwavering and refused to capitulate to the popular demands of the culture and the people, including the civil and religious authorities of the day. What or who could intimidate men like this? Nothing. That's why we need to know, we need to be well grounded in what we believe. We, we need to know what we believe and know why we believe what we believe. We need to know those things so that that way, whoever comes and opposes us, no matter what they say, for us, we are like Peter and John and the rest of the apostles, that we, we don't move. We're immovable. It's like, you're not going to shake my faith. You know, whether you share your opinion or not, it really doesn't matter. Now, let me tell you about the one who first demonstrated his love toward us, including you. And you can tell them without being moved, without blinking an eye, batting an eye. You know, it's, it's just like, just this is it. This is, this is the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, from this statement, Peter went into a brief and clear explanation of the gospel of God's grace given through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter essentially turned the tables on the accusers and is now accusing them. Oh, I'm on trial. Really? No, I'm not on trial. Actually, you're on trial. Thank you for calling me back from the temple. As I was declaring the gospel there, I'm about to declare the gospel here. Because he said, number one, you are guilty of crucifying Christ. Number two, God raised him from the dead and by his power has ascended to his right hand. Number three, through Jesus, you too can know forgiveness of sins and repentance. Dare you say those things? Oh, they were angry. In other words, Peter was telling them that Jesus came to die for their sins. They were guilty of. And that true repentance and salvation can only be known through and in Jesus Christ. And to top it all off, they called on witnesses to testify on their behalf. All these that are here before you, they have testified of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the apostles all saw Jesus ascend in the clouds to the Father. And by the way, that's not all. There's also another witness, the Holy Spirit, who is with us. All those who have come to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, who have come to obey. Oh, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Well, they were the ones who were called to testify that this was true. The moment the apostles were brought in to be questioned about their faith and be confronted was the moment they were given opportunity to testify of Jesus Christ. They were confronted, but they were given time to speak of what they had come to know and believe. When you're questioned about your faith, are you ready to testify of your faith? Are you ready at any given moment to testify of your faith? First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. 
And so, number one, set, set free to teach. Number two, question to tes- testify. And number three, nothing can stop them, as we see here in the last portion of this chapter. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theotis rose up, uh, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined them. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and and came to nothing. Verse 37, after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and uh, drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and tell them and let them alone. For if this plan uh, or this undertaking is a man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So they, they were seen red. After Peter told them what he told them, they were, they were enraged. They were furious. And at that point, they just they wanted to kill him. This was a way to stop this from continuing. And so they just wanted to kill him. They went from threats to beating to now desiring to kill them. The religious leaders realized that they could not contend with them. They, they couldn't contain them. They seemed unstoppable. Even somehow, you know, they broke out of prison with, you know, the lock still in place and with the guard still in place and nothing, you know, was moved and, and they were unstoppable. And so the only way of, of stopping them was to, to kill them. But Gamaliel, seeing what was happening, wanted a conference with all the leaders before moving forward with his decision. And so he, he asked them to give him some, some time um, away from the apostles who were being accused and who at this point um, were, were going to be killed. Now, Gamaliel was held in honor by all of the people, as we see described here. He was a teacher of the people. Rabbi means my teacher. Rab, Rab means teacher in general, just a teacher. And Rabban means our teacher or a teacher of teachers. Our teacher as far as the teacher of the Jewish people. And so he was known, he was honored, he was respected, he was held in high regard. He was known as a teacher of the people. And so by his word, as soon as he started speaking, of course, everyone, the Sanhedrin, everyone, even though he was a Pharisee, by the way, and most of the Sanhedrin uh, were Sadducees, they, they all quieted, they all heard what Gamaliel had to say. And so he made reference to two other failed attempts. Uh, two men who were trying to lead others unto themselves in a way, and they, they perished. They, they failed. And, and so Gamaliel advised them to leave them alone, figuring time will tell whether this was born of God or of men. If it's born of men, then it'll fail. And if it's born of God, that you, you will not be able to stop this. It will continue. And you might even be found opposing God himself if you come against 
this movement. Now, Revelation 3.7 says God can open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. He has the power to do that. That is true, but it isn't always as in success that is determined by the world's standards. Success is in the Lord's eyes. And it is a, a success that is determined by our faithfulness in him. That's it. Well, they like Gamaliel's advice. They thought, you know what? This is good. Let's follow it. But it was all according to God's plans. And they brought the apostles in. And um, they were really nice. They beat them. They beat them and then they demanded that they not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. Undo it. They had told them once before. Now they, they thought, you know what, let's beat them real good and let's send them off. By the way, <clears throat> what is described here, it's not like, uh, you know, like dad's belt. You know, it, it's, not, it's not that. Okay, John, you know, turn around. Peter, you too, you know what you're getting. Um, no, it, 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 it wasn't that. It, this this beating is one that is described as as taking the layer of flesh away. It's, it's like, can you imagine having your back stripped and having a whip come up against you, and then your skin coming apart? That that's what it was. That's what was happening with these apostles. That's how they were beat. Perhaps 39 lashes is what they received. We don't know. It's, we're not told, but we know they were beat. And they were beat good. Well, they were beat. They were commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus. They were let go. And what did they do? They cried all the way home. And they never talked in the name of Jesus. That's a, that's a worse beating in the world. Why? We're never going to do that again. That's horrible. We were in prison. We were beaten. We were humiliated. No. Is that what they did? No, they rejoiced. <laughs> they rejoiced. Not because they had been released, but because they were counted worthy of suffering for the sake of Christ. Matthew 5.11 says this. Blessed are you when others revile you. And this is out of the, the very mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And in John chapter 15 and verse 18. It says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The world hates you. Darkness and light, they don't come together. Righteousness and, and, and unrighteousness, it doesn't come together. And so the world, the world hates that which is true. And so these men, they just went out, beaten, and they rejoiced. They rejoiced. I guess they didn't take it lightly. They didn't see it as a game. They weren't in it for comfort or for the blessings or, you know, that we could sometimes 
continually ask for that comfort, you know. If we're there, oh, rejoice and thank God for his grace. But even when the chips are down, even when things aren't going good, rejoice and look for opportunities to continue to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. And so they just kept teaching and preaching. As it says there in the last verse, it says that, uh, and every day in the temple. So not, not, not just in, in private, though, not just in secret. <laughs> this is out in the open. The very place they were yanked from. They went back to the temple. So it says here, and every, every day, not just some days, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So they kept teaching in the name. They keep teaching that Jesus is the Christ. So number one, set free to teach. Number two, question to testify. Number three, nothing could stop them. Nothing can stop. A man or a woman who is completely given to the Lord and trusting in him, nothing can stop that person from continuing to declare the good news of Jesus Christ, living to preach the good news. Live bravely for Christ who gave himself for the sake of our salvation and to know the hope of God's glory in him for all eternity. And I'll leave you with this. Matthew ten thirty two and 33 says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever des- denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Father, thank you for the glorious truth. Lord, just to know... <clears throat> To know that we are saved is is enough. And yet you have left us in this place to endure all things. To suffer for your sake. That your death and your life may be evident in us. That our hope would come to the surface Lord, that our trust in you would always be on display. That your strength would be evident in our weaknesses. I pray, Lord, that you would give us confidence and boldness to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who are willing to hear. I pray, Lord, that you would not only give us opportunity, but, Lord, that we would be encouraged also. I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged by seeing others come to salvation.